Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright. So happy to be with you this morning on this Monday, June 27th. Let us begin our morning in prayer as we do each and every day. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world. In reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today on the show, we are going to be hearing from John Martinoni, who's going to address that idea of sola scriptura. Recently, we were talking about John 3.16 and Man is saved by faith alone, and that's kind of be, going to be intertwined with that today. It's, it's a continuation of that discussion. Um, we're also going to get to hear a very wonderful vocation story. Friday is the Feast of St. Junipero Serra. Uh, as I have mentioned several times, I am a member of the Serra Club of St. Louis, and we do work to pray for vocations and also to support vocations, both vocations to the priesthood and also to consecrated religious life. And so it's a joy to be able to highlight vocations here and there. And I'm really looking forward to hearing the story of Sister Maria Carroll of the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist. Also on the show today, I have something that we, we recorded at the beginning of June. A good friend of mine, Father James Richardson, was in town, and we wanted to talk about the Sacred Heart. And originally, we were going to play this for you on Friday, but we... Uh, did not have the show on Friday. And I thought, well, I really, the, the words are very great. I'd like to share it with you. And then I realized the solemnity of the Sacred Heart may have passed on Friday. But this coming Friday, July 1st, in addition to being the Feast of St. Junipero Serra, is also the first Friday of the month of July, a day that we will dedicate to the Sacred Heart of our Lord and will pray in reparation for sins against the Sacred Heart and will honor the Sacred Heart of our Lord. So, I thought here between the Solemnity of the Sacred Heart this past Friday and the upcoming First Friday Devotion to the Sacred Heart, it's a good day to talk about the Sacred Heart of Jesus. So we'll have that for you today as well. But we can't get to any of that until we go to Mike Roberts for a check of today's weather. This is the feast day of St. Cyril of Alexandria, Doctor of the Church. Born in Egypt in 378, his maternal uncle Theophilus was Patriarch of Alexandria and the primary guide to Cyril's education. When Theophilus died in 412, Cyril was made Patriarch, but not without controversy. In fact, there was a riot between those supporting him and others who wanted Timotheus. Cyril was also involved in a long-running and often violent dispute with Orestes, Prefect of Egypt. In 430, Cyril began to confront Nestorius, Patriarch of Constantinople, who claimed Jesus was two people, one human and the other divine, and that Mary was not the mother of Jesus because of his divinity. Cyril convinced Pope Celestine to convoke a synod in Rome, which condemned Nestorius. He then led the Third General Council of Alexandria, which condemned 
all tenets of Nestorius, but that was not the end of the controversy. Archbishop John of Egypt had Cyril arrested and declared Nestorius innocent. Cyril was released only after a papal legate arrived and freed him and then re-established the condemnation of Nestorius. Cyril went on to write treaties on the Trinity, the Incarnation, and to continue his fight against Nestorianism and other heresies. He was declared a doctor of the church in 1882 by Pope Leo XIII. St. Cyril of Alexandria, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Every interview we do is great because I get to meet some really fantastic people out there in the Catholic world, whether they're right here in our own backyard or nationally known speakers. But from time to time, I have the great pleasure of introducing you to someone great instead of me being introduced to someone great. And it's always good to be with my friend, Father James Richardson, a priest of the Diocese of Kalamazoo, Michigan. Thank Father, you, Adam. But you're in town, so you're here. Yes, yes. Uh, my uh, nephew, my middle sister's son, is being ordained a priest in the Diocese of Belleville, on the, the day we're recording this, it's, it's coming up this weekend, and this has been a long path, and uh, I couldn't be prouder. Yeah. The kid's sharp, and I think he'll do well. Well, by the time uh, by the time our listeners hear this, it will actually be three weeks later, and uh, mm-hmm. hopefully Father Lugie will be celebrating in... In a parish yet to be named. Yes, yes. <laughs> the mystery unfolds. Well, Father, we are talking, you know... Due to the nature of the timing of your visit, we're recording in advance. We're looking at the month of June and everything that we're offered. I mean, the beginning of the month this year, as the calendar falls, we have Pentecost, which doesn't always happen in June, but this year it does. And and right after Pentecost, we have Trinity Sunday, and then we have Corpus Christi. And really, one of my favorite feasts, I remember as a young altar boy, my grandma would say, you're going to 7 a.m. Mass with me. I told Mr. Maher you're going to serve, and I talked to your parents, and it's all squared away. And I had no choice in the matter. But then I thought I was really cool carrying the incense through the neighborhood in procession. Um, that was the big deal. You know, Jesus offers us his body, blood, soul, and divinity really present, truly present in the Eucharist. And I would say, how does it get better than that? And then we look at the feast on the 24th, the sacred heart of Jesus. And, and Father, I think so often how we hear we're supposed to lift up our hearts to yeah. the Lord. We used to say that in the Mass, uh, lift, we lift them up to the Lord. And yet here's our Lord offering his heart. Yes, and that's the, uh, um, the beauty of the, uh, the sacred heart. And it's reflected, we have the particular phenomenon of the devotion to the sacred heart that in more recent ages of the Church, you know, have the apparitions to St. Margaret Mary and the Twelve Promises of the Sacred Heart and the devotion of the First Fridays. But the core of it really is from the beginning, and it's the Church's reflection on Jesus' offering of himself. It's, it's a devotion upon the sacrifice in love. And that the, the message very often with the... Uh, the devotion to the Sacred Heart, behold God's great love for man. And it's manifest here. You have that image and, and, <laughs> in only a way that only Catholics could do. You know, Jesus holding his heart out in front of his chest. And there's the sign of the spear that pierced his heart. And you're typically crowned and aflame with the fire of divine love. 
and all of that that brings it from something external to something so immediately relatable, so immediately moving. And I think this is the reason why that devotion to the Sacred Heart and the institution of the Feast of the Sacred Heart were such powerful things in the life of the Church, that it's, it brings it home in a, in, a, in a flesh and blood, relatable, direct way. And this is, I think, the wisdom and the genius of the Church's devotions done well. And there's a way that these things can go cold and become kind of formulaic or remote. We, we, we can mess up anything. But the genius, I think, of, of, the, of the Church's devotion in these things is the way that it connects, the way that it, it roots us and gives us that personal, tangible connection, that it's more than just a philosopher's club and, and theological abstractions. We talk about that often, that at, at its core, all of this, it's not an academic exercise. This mm-hmm. is all geared towards relationship and, and God willing, that eternal relationship in, in the fullness of joy in heaven. But, you know, we have some things we need to do here on earth. We're working on, you know, as uh, we know, there are four last things, death, judgment, heaven or hell. And it's not an in-between. It's one or the other with those two. But, Father, you know, I think of this um, Back when we were getting ready for Holy Week, we had Monsignor mm-hmm. Timothy Cronin on, and we were talking yeah. about the, the word passion, and we got into the mm-hmm. Latin roots of the word passion and, and really how it means to suffer. And then we think of the word right. compassion, to suffer with. And, and I can't help as you describe that image of the Sacred Heart, our Lord holding out his heart, pierced mm-hmm. with the flame of love, but also the crown of thorns. As if that's his way of saying, in, in all of your sufferings, because as good as some of the moments in this life are, we know this earthly pilgrimage is going to involve a lot of suffering. He's saying, here's my heart, yeah. and I'm going to suffer with you. Well, and I think there's, there's that. There's the, the, the sorrows that we bear in this life, and certainly there's, there's encouragement, there's consolation that we take from seeing God has entered into those sorrows and entered into those sufferings. But also, I think... And, and we see this in more recent times, kind of in the relationship of that with the, uh, the divine mercy devotions, that there's sufferings that he's born with us, but also born for our sake. I can't think of the, of the sacred heart without thinking of, of and, and I, we've talked about this a few times, the, the, the idea that in this we see the, the, the image of Jesus sacrificing himself for me in my sins. And this is the, uh, I have this theory that there are, one of my mentors, Father Richard Simon out of, out of Chicago, who's a bit of a character himself, but he says if, if when we read in the scriptures, we read the word love, we can take that out and put in sacrifice, that I will give of myself in a surrendering way for the good of another. And I have this theory that there, there are basically three degrees of sacrifice related to love, that will sacrifice to find love. You know, uh, a young man finds a woman that he can't quit thinking about, and suddenly becomes scarce to his friends, and the things that were fascinations to him that occupied all his time suddenly just aren't so important anymore, and he'll give those things up for her company. And then there's the sacrifice for the sake of love, Man marries a woman, they, they become a mother and father, they, they, and suddenly all the things that they wanted to do 
take a back seat to the things that are important to provide for that child. You, you spend your paycheck differently when you have children. And this is where we come closest to Christ or the sacrifices we make at the hands of love. Where, you know, think of that same mother and father and suddenly that child has become a teenager. If you were a stinker like me, uh, and you say that word to your parents that, that just goes right to the heart, and they love you through it, in those times of rebellion, in those times of rejection, you don't know me, you don't know what it's like, you're, you're even just, I hate you, and, and it goes like a dagger to the heart, and, and they love you. This is Jesus on the cross, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and he's talking about the hand that's on the spear that's going to pierce that heart. And he loves that hand that holds that spear that will run him through. And I think you know, we see that in that image of the Sacred Heart. And I think for those, you know, those times when, boy, my sin seems too heavy. Or I seem so far from God to know that he loves me in that, in the middle of that, in such a deep and profound way that pierced to his very heart, precisely that I'm a sinner, and as I rebel from him. And I think that heart of it, that, that aspect of this devotion to the Sacred Heart that speaks so deeply to people who think there's no other way, who are caught in the middle of something, uh, even of their own choosing, of their own making, and think, well, that's not for me, or I can't come to God. And he holds out his heart and says, this is, this is the measure of my love for you. Uh, I think the power of that in this devotion to the Sacred Heart speaks to you. One of the promises is that for those who promote this devotion, it'll give to priests the ability to touch the hearts of hardened sinners. And, it's, uh, and I've seen this. It's, it's, it's not anything particularly eloquent that I have to say. It's that he was there before me and already at work in that. And that's a tremendously powerful thing. Indeed, indeed. Well, Father, sadly, we are out of time. I, I could listen to you reflect on the Sacred Heart for hours to come, but our radio time slot does not allow for hours to come. So could I ask you to uh, close us out with a prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we turn to you in the name of your Son, who upon his cross was made an offering for my sins, and who in love poured himself out, that we might know the full measure of your love for us, turn our hardened hearts, fill us with the joy of your presence, and kindle in our hearts the fire of your divine love. And there, in the heart of the Blessed Trinity, may we find rest and peace and grace in your presence. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father James Richardson, always a pleasure to have you with us. Friends, we are going to take a break. Don't go anywhere. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. It's always a pleasure to check in with John Martinoni on a Monday morning to help us grow in knowledge about our faith. John, here's one kind of related to what we talked about last week with that question of, are you saved? There is a church in the neighborhood that I always enjoy their whimsical church signs. They're probably the most entertaining signs of all the churches around. Um, but this one says, grace alone, 
faith alone, scripture alone, and I couldn't help but think to myself, that word alone, I, I don't think you know what it means if you're listing three things <laughs> and saying each one alone. And that's what we're going to talk about today is this idea of sola scriptura and, and that idea of it's only scripture, which is really counter to our Catholic belief of scripture and tradition. Absolutely. And one of the first verses, a Protestant, whether, you know, they're Baptist, Evangelical, Methodist, whatever, one of the first verses they'll go to in the Bible to, quote-unquote, prove to you as a Catholic that you go by faith, I mean, by Scripture alone, and, and no tr- none of this tradition, no, no need for a pope and a magisterium and all that. It's the Bible and the Bible alone. Well, that verse is from 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, and it says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. See, they say, all Scripture is inspired by God, which Catholics believe, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, which Catholics believe, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Catholics believe that as well. But what Protestants do is they'll say, see, it says complete. All the man of God needs to be complete is Scripture. So they say, see, right there, the Bible alone is all you need. And I'll I'll look at it and say, okay, um, do you believe when you're interpreting Scripture that you should interpret things in context? And I say, oh, absolutely. I say, well, Let's go back one verse to see if we can get a little context to this verse about all Scripture, you know, making the man of God complete. It's, uh, it's Paul talking to Timothy, and, he's, and Paul says to Timothy, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, all Scripture is inspired by God, etc., etc., that's the key right there, Adam, is Timothy has known these things since childhood, these particular scriptures that Paul is talking about. Well, Timothy was a relatively young man, and Paul's writing this, and let's, let's say, you know, most people I've read say in the 50s, somewhere in the 50s A.D., let's say 60 A.D., but Timothy is a child, you know, that's before age 12, essentially for the Jewish person, and um, so let, let's go back 10, 15 years. What scriptures were available in the mid-40s A.D.? Well, little to none of the New Testament, but all, all of the Old Testament. So Paul is talking here about the Old Testament when you take this in context. So essentially, if you're going to say it's sola scriptura, you have to say it's sola Old Testament scriptura, which no Christian, no, no fundamentalist, no Baptist, no Protestant, will say, yes, you can be saved, and all you need is the Old Testament alone. So just by looking at the context, going back one verse to get the context, this, this passage about all scriptures inspired, <clears throat> excuse me, all scriptures inspired by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That can't be saying 
all Scripture and only Scripture because it's talking about the Old Testament Scriptures. It's not talking about the New Testament Scriptures. So that gives the, the folks who are trying to use this verse to prove sola scriptura, that, that kind of throws, throws them in a little bit of a loop right there. I would imagine so. I mean, to me, I read that that all, or that man may be complete, or in another translation, I read that man may be perfect. Well, that means that this is an integral part of it, that, that you have to have Scripture to be perfect but or to be complete. But my dinner plate would not be complete without the entree, but the entree right. isn't the only thing on the dinner plate, John, you know, so I want to right. thank you for the clarity you brought and the reminder that context is key when we look at sacred scripture. Friends, John Martinoni is the president and founder of the Bible Christian Society. You can check them out at BibleChristianSociety.com. Until next Monday, John, have a great week. You too, Adam. Appreciate it. Friends, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back after this. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven, and I have mentioned before on the show that I am happy to be a member of the Sarah Club of St. Louis, part of Sarah International, working to promote vocations to the priesthood and the religious life. So every time I have an opportunity to speak with a priest or a religious brother or religious sister, it's always a good opportunity. And today we have such an opportunity. We're happy to have a very impromptu visit here at the station from Sister Maria Carroll of the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist out of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Sister, it's very good to have you here. And did I pass the test? Did I get all of that correct? You got all of it. (laughs) All right. Well, tell us a little bit about your order. I know you're a Dominican, and it's very obvious from the habit you wear. You have the the white habit with the white scapular and the white shoulder cape. And unlike the the priests and the brothers who have the hood, you have a veil because you're a woman religious. Yes. Um, But the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, what, what are some of the charisms of the order? So we are Dominican, so we follow the heritage of St. Dominic and the rule of St. Augustine and particularly to our community of Mary, mother of the Eucharist, we are devoted to the Eucharistic heart of Jesus through his mother because there's no better way. And so as a community, we have a daily holy hour, a Eucharistic holy hour, and that's where we get all the strength we need to carry out our apostolate of teaching preaching the truth, teaching mostly in the classrooms, um, and other forms of evangelization for the salvation of souls. And then with the Eucharistic Holy Hour, we are also strengthened by our devotion to the Blessed Mother. And so all of our sisters make the total consecration to Jesus through Mary of St. Louis de Montfort. What a wonderful consecration that is, too. That's, yes. That's a winning formula right there. It is. And it hey, is. Good news, friends. You don't even have to be a Dominican Sister of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, to do the consecration to Mary. You can do that. And we've got some Marian feast days coming up starting August 15th and then all throughout the fall. So now is the time, if you've never done that, to start planning. We'll have another segment on that soon. <laughs> but, Sister, you know, we, we mentioned the word charism, which is an important thing because every religious order has its charism. We've talked about that with Sister Mary. Carolyn Nunes from the Franciscan yes. Sisters of the Martyr St. George. Yes. But then within the charism, each of the sisters in the convent lives that charism out in different apostolates and different assignments. So specifically, what is it that you do to live the charism? I am currently teaching first grade at St. Agnes Catholic School in St. Paul, Minnesota. 
Oh, that has to be wonderful. Oh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I think we have too much fun, actually. <laughs> no, there's no such thing as too much fun in first grade, and what a wonderful thing that is. Now, I'm sure that many of our listeners are asking, how do you end up, you know, you're from Rolla, Missouri originally? I am, yes. So how does someone from Rolla, Missouri end up with the Dominican sisters in Ann Arbor, Michigan? Because it's, you know, it's not too far of a drive, but it's farther than I'd want to drive. Yes, yes. Providence can do anything. And so I remember first discovering the community when I was helping my dad shred in his office. <laughs> he handed me the envelope with all the little shining faces of the sisters and says, I can't give it to them right now, but do you want to look at this? So that's where I first discovered the name, Mary Mother of the Eucharist. And of course, it was all the way up in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I never thought I would be up there. But then I met two girls at another discernment retreat, and they were my ticket to Ann Arbor. So through God's providence, meeting people who also were discerning, remembering them from the mailings they would send into our house, and then also just the providence of asking Mary and asking in adoration what God wanted of me. So there, right in the name, was the two lifelines I'd held on to. As I discerned. So, there, yes. There you go. Yeah. So, let's backtrack a little bit, though, because it, it's not as if one day your dad handed you a piece of mail and yeah. said, hey, do you <laughs> want to think about the religious life? And you said, yeah, sure. I, I guess I'll go check these sisters <laughs> out. I mean, this goes back to your childhood, the yes. calling to be a, a woman religious, to be a sister. Yes. It started at five, because wow. my first recollection was in kindergarten, they ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And my answer was, I want to be a nun and a ballerina. So, at that point, I didn't quite no, they couldn't both be at the same time. But the ballerina thing came and it went, but the nun, that stayed. <laughs> that stayed, so. Oh, wonderful. So then you're in high school. You've got this desire implanted on your heart. God's put your calling there. But the question for all of us is, what are you going to do after high school? And some people would say, well, I think I'm being called in this direction. But your first discernment retreat didn't necessarily come from that specifically. There's kind of a fun story. So share with our listeners how that happened. You ended up on your first come and see weekend. Yes. My first come and see weekend was the alternative for missing my confirmation retreat. I was a lead role in a musical and the retreat conflicted with one of our performance dates. So my pastor at the time, Monsignor Cox, he knew very well what I needed. And he said, oh, I'll let you go to the Alton Franciscan discernment retreat instead as an alternative. And for me, I was thrilled because I would love to go on a discernment retreat. And I also am figuring out the problem with being in a show and needing to go to a retreat at the same time. So I made it to Alton and it was a very kindling experience for my vocation. Now, one of the things that perhaps our listeners may not know is that it's one thing to be called to the religious life, for you to be called to be a sister. But then there's a whole other discernment process, not just am I called to be a sister, but what community am I called to join? So your first experience is with the Franciscan Sisters of the Martyr St. George in Alton, Illinois. But obviously you're not a Franciscan because your (laughs) habit is white and their habits are gray. Right, right. And I remember talking to Sister Mary Consolata, the vocation director at the time in Alton. And this was my second discernment retreat. And I knew God was calling me to be a sister. And I told her, I said, I feel sure that God wants me to be a sister, but I don't know where yet. I know I'm not called to be a Franciscan. And she gave me such beautiful advice. She just said, don't feel like you have to go searching all over the creation 
God will show you where he wants you to be. And that was very comforting. <laughs> and then that piece of mail comes and your two friends say, hey, we're going to go on a discernment retreat up The here. next month. Do you want to go? <laughs> the next month. The next month. I was in Ann Arbor. So wow, Sister Consolata got that right. <laughs> she did. She certainly did. Yes. Yes. <laughs> She's a wonderful sister. I, I'm privileged to know too. So I'm glad to know yes. we, we have a common friend there. So you go up to Ann Arbor, you make a discernment retreat. And what was that like for you? Oh, it was a very grace-filled weekend. It was the anniversary of my confirmation. So the grace of the Holy Spirit was very much present and I was very much aware of it. I remember walking through the doors of the mother house for the first time and I just knew it was home. It's kind of like when a young man and a young woman just say, oh, we just knew. That's how it is. I visited and it was the first time I had experienced Dominican charism firsthand because at that point I just said, Lord, wherever you want me, I don't care what I would do. I'll do whatever is needed, but where's home? And the fact that they were teaching sisters just was very exciting to me. And I got to learn about St. Dominic, Marian devotion, Eucharistic devotion. And what really struck me was for the last few months, I had said, Jesus, wherever you want me, I know you'll tell me where, but I'll just pray the rosary every day and I'll go to as much Eucharistic adoration as possible. And I know with those two lifelines, I'll be okay. And then when the the name of our community was Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, I said, oh, well, there you go. If, you, if you're waiting for a sign from God, this yes. is it, right? Yes, yes, one of many. So so I remember you saying when you were five, you wanted to be a, a ballerina and <laughs> a religious sister. And I have to think that teaching first grade, there is a little bit of ballet, not, not necessarily the dancing, <laughs> but uh, I, I've been around first graders enough to know it is a bit of a dance, a metaphorical dance in that classroom to keep everybody on point and everybody on task. So, <laughs> you know, awesome. little did you know God was calling you to still be a ballerina of oh, some yes. sort. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. They keep me on my toes. All right. <laughs> they certainly do. Now, I don't want to take the job away from the vocation director of your order, but she's not here and you are. So I want to ask for our listeners out there that maybe they have a daughter or a granddaughter or a niece who might be discerning and is looking for that arrow pointing them in the right direction. Or maybe we have a young woman listening right now. We have all all sorts of listeners who is saying, I think I might be called to the religious life. I know there are a lot of things we can say, but if you could boil it down to one thing, what's the one piece of advice you would give someone who's discerning? Pray. 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 Because you cannot hear God's voice if you don't know him. And the way you come to know him is by living the sacraments and through prayer. All right. Now, I want to wrap up with this because I always like to ask. Now, Sister Maria, that one I'm going to guess, that is because of the Blessed Mother. Yes. You take the name Maria. But Carol... It's not Carol with a C, like I think of uh, Carol Burnett, you know, right. a famous Carol. It's Carol with a K, and that is in honor of? John Paul II. All right. Carol Wojtyla. Yes. There you go. There you go, friends. So what a beautiful thing that is. Well, sister, I want to thank you for your yes to God, and I want to thank you for sharing your story with our listeners. And why don't we end with a prayer that anyone discerning who might be hearing this right now, that they would have the grace to know what God's calling them to. Could I ask you to lead us in prayer? Of course, Adam, I'd love to. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, you have made us for yourself. Help us to know your love. Help us to seek you without growing tired. Prepare in our hearts a place to be open to your will. Mother Mary, the perfect model of sanctity, please be with us. Help us to come close to your son. Give us the strength to say yes, just as you did with your fiat. Take away our anxieties, our fears that prevent us from loving. Help us to not be afraid. Holy Spirit, 
Fill our hearts and our minds this day that we may notice and recognize your presence with us. Mother Mary, we belong to you and we love you. Bring us to your Son. Amen. Amen. Well, once again, sister, thank you so much for being with us today. Friends, we are going to, well, no, we have to ask this question. If any of our listeners did want to know more about the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist of Ann Arbor, Michigan, where can they go for more information? We have a website, sistersofmary.org. Sistersofmary.org. It doesn't get any easier to remember, (laughs) friends. Sistersofmary.org. Yes. Yes. And we have an online platform, too, called Open Light Media. Okay. And um, you can find podcasts on there, videos for religious discernment, music. Um, We have a virtue curriculum, too, how to live the virtues in your daily life. So, yes, open open light media and sistersofmary.org. Well, that's a whole other conversation we're going to have to have with one of the (laughs) sisters, how to live the virtues, because we're all about that here, too. We all need it. (laughs) All right. Sistersofmary.org is the website. And uh, we're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. But don't go anywhere. We'll be back after this. Thank you, Adam. Here we are with a new week and a new theme for the Daily Dose of Encouragement. With us, as always, is Patty Schneier. And Patty, I have to say, every week, I am amazed how you can unify all of the different reflections into one theme. So what are we going to be talking about this week? Well, great segue there, Adam. We're talking about unity this week. It's one of my... I think one of my favorite words when I think about our Catholic faith is the word unity. So let's start the week off by going to Scripture, one of the great passages of our Lord when he prayed at the Last Supper, and this is from John's Gospel, chapter 17, and he said, I pray that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. So that whole prayer of our Lord that he prayed for us on the night of the Last Supper, he prayed for us before he entered into the Passion, before his death and resurrection, he prayed for unity. It was on our Lord's heart and mind, and it should be on ours as well. What I want to share is that we cannot forget that one of the greatest marks of the Catholic faith is unity. We pray and we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. It's the first mark of the church, and it's one of her greatest attributes. So I just want to share from my own life that this is actually why I made the Catholic faith my own. Every single Catholic, if you're born and raised in the faith, there comes a time in your life where you have to make a decision, are you going to be Catholic or not? For me, it was the unity of the Catholic Church. I remember where I was. I was 18 years old. I was living in Germany. I was away from my family. I didn't speak the language. The family with whom I was living was not Catholic. It was at Mass. I had to ride a bike to get myself to Mass by myself. But there I sat in this little church that was very dark, and the Mass was the Mass was the Mass. Anywhere I was in the world, and the readings were the same that my parents were reading back home in Florissant, Missouri, and the Eucharist was the same, and that's what did it for me. It was so beautiful. I was home when I walked into that church at age 18, and I knew I wanted to be Catholic because anywhere I would go in the world, I would always be home in the Catholic Church. So we need to celebrate the unity of our faith. We need to talk about this, share this aspect of our faith with our children, and talk about it within your family. Isn't it so awesome, the unity that we share? Catholics throughout the world, we are one, and let's work to preserve that unity. 
Friends, you can't see me smiling from ear to ear right now, but Patty, as you say that, I think of some friends that went on a choir pilgrimage to Germany, and they were at Mass. They weren't singing for the Mass, they were just at Mass, and the Alleluia that was sung before the Gospel was one that they sing all of the time, and so they started singing in all of their parts, and then the verse was in German, and then they sang in their parts again, and it was a beautiful moment of unity in the church that brought smiles to their faces. So thank you for this theme. And thank you for this encouragement today. We are back. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven on this Monday morning, June 27th. I want to remind you that we are getting ready for First Friday and First Saturday. It's hard to believe that the month of June is coming to a close, and yet here we are. The calendar keeps marching on and on. So Father James gave us some reasons today to be devoted to the Sacred Heart and why the Sacred Heart is important, but let's talk very quickly about what the actual First Friday devotion entails. Give ourselves a little refresher here. So remember, we're called to go to Mass and receive Holy Communion as part of this devotion And to go to Mass and receive Holy Communion, you, of course, need to be in a state of grace and not a state of mortal sin. So you might need to be doing your examination of conscience. And, uh, you know, I have a feeling that you you know when you're in a state of mortal sin uh, as a listener to this program. But just in case, do an examination of conscience. Do a good one. Do a thorough one. There are any number available online. Um, I have one in the back of my hand missile, my daily missile uh, that I use for mass and for prayers, there are great ones, you know, and especially now that it's Monday and we're preparing for Friday, this is the time, you know, tonight, tomorrow night to be doing a very thorough examination of conscience. It's hard to do a thorough examination when you are in line and especially if the line is moving fast. So do that now. But, of course, the devotion, go to Mass, receive Holy Communion, and pray in reparation for sins against the Sacred Heart or in honor of the Sacred Heart. Do that for the nine first Fridays. Well, you know, does that nine starting with July? No, it's, it's nine whenever you started. So if you started in January, this will be number seven of the nine consecutive. If you're starting in July, it's number one, wherever it falls. And when you get to nine, start over again at one, and it's a beautiful thing. On Saturday, our first Saturday devotion is very similar. The Blessed Mother and her apparition at Fatima calls us once a month to go to confession, which is, you know, even if you're not in a state of mortal sin, this is always a great reminder for me to make that devotional confession. Um, It's good to go at least once a month. And then go to Mass, receive Holy Communion in a state of grace, obviously, Pray the rosary and then meditate for 15 minutes upon the mysteries of the rosary. And one of the great ways to meditate on the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary is actually to pray the Stations of the Cross, which you can do outside of Fridays and Lent. You can pray them every day of the year. So anyway, we do that for five consecutive first Saturdays for the five blasphemies against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. It's good for you. It's good for me. Let's do it. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of Peace, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons. 
pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hey, good news. Next week, Roadmap to Heaven is going to start broadcasting five days a week. Well, not counting the July 4th holiday, and Dr. Scott Hahn's going to be with us. Until then, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Pray your rosary today.